This is WMPG. I'm Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space Radio, a show about courage, the courage to talk about the subjects that are the hardest to bring up, but that we think about the most. This month's series is on the experience of incarceration. The United States imprisons more people than any other country in the world. And when we let people out, we often release people to a world they have not been prepared for, a world where a prison record will make it very difficult to get housing or a job. I'll be speaking today with Lanny Peterson about her work with the Public Voice Project, an organization that helps former prisoners to tell their story and helps the listener to understand it. This month, we are going to be inviting you to contact us if you have a similar story that you'd like to share. We're calling this section of the show Echoing Stories, and we'll be playing them toward the end of this series. So if you have a story about incarceration, or if you know someone who is in prison, or you have a family member in prison, please email me at dranne at safespaceradio.com. That's D-R-A-N-N-E, Dr. Anne, at safespaceradio.com. Lanny Peterson is a psychologist in the Boston area who began her work with storytelling maybe 20 years ago, and she has now become a leader in the movement of facilitating healing stories, stories that are healing both for the teller and for the listener. Lanny has a CD called Stories from Within, which won an award in 2004 for her story, Broken Glass. And Lanny's going to be speaking with us today about the Public Voice Project, her work with former prisoners telling their stories. Welcome to Safe Space, Lanny. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be with you all today. So tell me first about the Public Voice Project. What is it? How would you describe what the work of that project is? The Public Voice Project was started um, about 10 years ago by City Mission Society, uh, and they provide support through many different processes in, in Boston to many populations in need. But about 10 years ago, they formed the Public Voice Project as a means of supporting recently released prisoners to come together for support of each other in the process of, again, being on the, on the outside, and um, provided public speaking training that then turned into storytelling training as a means of helping originally men and then more recently women uh, become comfortable with their stories and telling their stories and making peace with their stories for multiple purposes, one being that they felt like they could walk in their shoes differently, a second being that they could go into job interviews or housing interviews and be able to tell their stories in a way that others could hear them. And lastly, that they could use their stories as a means of um, really public education about what the process is of making that transition from the inside to the outside and how others might support them in that process, both uh, through legislature as well as just through out outright understanding, empathy, connection, support. So, and I understand your role is that you would meet with um, the former, uh, former prisoners maybe, in itself doesn't even seem like the right word because it defines someone by a very limited experience. But you would, you would meet with these people, I guess, over a number of weeks, right, and help them figure out how to tell their story. Is that right? We would meet over the course of four evenings for about two to three hours uh, each time, and at the end would um, have a public telling, which was, I think, the, one of the most powerful parts of the process, that they, uh, the participants evolve from having stories that they held actually very closely and privately to first telling amongst each other in the group, building to a place where then they told to the whole group and to me as well, 
knowing that all the while they were building towards a public telling when bring being able to bring their stories to a public audience that we advertised in the newspapers they could invite their families and friends to come and listen to them um it was a chance for them to have control of their story, to share it in a way that they wanted it to be heard, as well as to get appreciations back from listeners. So I want to actually now focus a little bit on your story, Lanny, because there you are. You're a psychologist. You have all this training and experience with having people tell stories. But the first time that you worked with people who had been imprisoned, maybe sometimes for violent crimes, for any any number of crimes, what was it like for you as you approached that first meeting with a room full of of people who had once been prisoners? What were the feelings that you had as you were kind of about to open that door? I, I of course, didn't know what to expect. And, and I admit the first night I, I um, before going in, I had, I had trepidation. I had curiosity. I wasn't sure it was going to fly. One of the things I found is that they were so eager to... Um, to get it out in a in a safe and what they found compassionate circle that many of them uh, opened up more than perhaps they were ready to or wanted to. And the, the process of the four weeks was this um, deep opening and then, and then a pulling back and finding a safe way to hold the story, not only within themselves but with others. And I can imagine that, you know, many people would feel like, all right, this person maybe committed a serious crime, why would I want to have a relationship? Like, why would I want to even go there with someone who might, you know, be dangerous to me in the future? And did you have any of that? Did you have any fear for whether these were people you wanted to connect with and um, have be part of your life, which effectively you were inviting them to be? My only fear was before I met them because I was projecting my own stories onto them once they let me into their stories and who they were, uh, any fear or questions I had were gone. And, and I think that's the power of, of story, is that once you do know someone in their story, you can't hold them in, in the old way that you might have when you were projecting your own story onto them. So I wonder if you could tell me a story, Lanny, a story of... Um it's maybe a little bit somebody else's story, but also your story in the sense of you there as a listener and hearing a story and the effect that it had on you. I have several. I had so many moments of being not only captivated by their stories, but but deeply moved by the, the moment of change in their own lives or the moment of insight that they discovered and found through the telling of their stories. Um, a couple come to mind. One, one is... Um, a man who I, I want to call uh, Jerry, um, who had been on the inside um, for a total of, of probably over 30 years, not all at once, but over several several occasions. And when I asked him to reflect on a, a moment of insight that occurred for him, a moment where he saw things differently, he shared a story of um, the experience of reading Goethe's Faust. <laughs> And I was not prepared for him to say that. Again, it shattered all of my stereotypes of um, who he was or what kinds of things he might be interested in. And so he certainly had my attention. And the story he told was about how it was reading Faust that allowed him to, for the first time, have hope and belief that he might be different by seeing how God um, bet 
the devil for Faust's own soul. And the message he took away from that was that no matter how far one has um, traveled away from the goodness or the light within, there is always some small speck that can bring them back. And that if that was in Faust, maybe it was in him as well. And for the first time in believing that, he started to look for it. And that that allowed him to, instead of seeing a life continually on the inside, that perhaps he wanted to work towards a life on the outside. Um, His commitment to telling his story, that not only he might continue to heal, but that others might heal, just deeply moved me. Another moment was when one of the women who took um, a class, we we ran a, a similar class for women who had recently been released from prison, and I gave a prompt to tell um, a story about your name and where it came from, and she refused, which surprised me because I, I, again, projected that it was a simple prompt and why would someone struggle with it. Um, I did I did certainly support her in not sharing that story or any story if she just needed to be there and be a listener for a period. But the following week, she came back and not only shared the story of her name, but told the journey of why it was hard to tell. And in that sharing, she spoke about a recurring nightmare she had that uh, referred to a trauma she'd experienced as a child. And each night in re-experiencing this trauma through her nightmare, she would wake up um, in sweats or even screaming. And for the first time the week in between our first and second class, she said her dream went differently. And as a young child, she was standing there screaming, and uh, a woman came up and held her, and that comforted her and said, I'm with you, you'll be all right. She said the woman who approached the screaming child was me, and I saw me pick myself up and hold me, and I'm bringing both those people to the group today and choosing to tell my story that her own process of listening to others in the group and revisiting her story but from a different standpoint allowed her to begin to start that healing from the inside of holding herself differently and allowing herself to open up in a new way. I'm so struck because, of course, this is what a psychotherapist tries to do is help someone develop compassion for themselves. And in her, it sounds like in one, after one storytelling group, she was able to imagine having compassion for herself for the first time. And it was a, a storytelling group that, in fact, she didn't share any stories in. You know, the, just, if the managed care companies get hold of this, Lanny, <laughs> <laughs> this is efficient therapy. <laughs> I, I think that the very process of, first of all, creating a safe place where one is allowed to share any aspect of themselves and to do it with other people who are holding them both with um, empathy and compassion is is a very healing thing to be witnessed, to be seen, and to be accepted. And the very fact that one can receive that from the outside and what that feels like, I think, can enable the process of perhaps holding ourselves that same way on the inside. And that's what I saw in active process with this with this one participant. It's striking to me, too, that what was helpful is that she was given permission to not tell her story. Yes. I think that very act of, of giving people control over their own story is, is an important part of the healing process. Um, so whether they choose to speak or not and how they choose to put it out, an encouragement not only to put out the same sort of rote story of event that, that happened, but to, to walk around it and to try to get meaning of it from different perspectives, as well as to have other people um, 
not only filtering it through their stories, but holding it with um, their perspective and insight and appreciations. We, we talk a lot about appreciations, which is owning our perspective of your story and offering it back in a way knowing that it is ours, um, not yours, but perhaps it can help you walk around your own story differently. So, so let's talk about that. So if I was to offer an appreciation, say I heard someone's story, a story that was painful to tell, that took courage, how do you coach people in terms of what's a useful appreciation to offer? Appreciations are not about um, the you, they're about the me. So I ask people to own their own filters, their own stories and constructs that they're listening through as they listen to your story. And so one of the questions that prompts an appreciation is, what moved you or touched you by that person's story? And then a deeper level is, what will you remember and carry with you? Because once you've heard another story, it now is part of you. And lastly, in having heard another story, how will that impact or change how you move forward in either how you see the world or how you interact in the world because their story has moved you, touched you, or shaped you? So it's, it's about the listener, and it's about the power of having heard another story on the deepest level and knowing that their story is now going to be part of yours. I can only imagine that for someone who's been carrying a silenced, shamed story to be responded to like that, like, what touched me? How, what am I going to remember? How am I going to be different because of it? Mm-hmm. I mean, those are so, so powerful and it adds a deeper level of meaning to the teller to know that this story that they've been holding quiet or silent, when actually brought out into the open, not only can be a way for them to to hold it differently, but that it has meaning by helping another. Yeah. Um, and it may be another who's had a similar experience, but it doesn't have to be, because when one has wrestled with what I think is sort of the deep human struggle, we all can relate to it on in some way, in some place, just from being human ourselves. And we can not only see them differently and outside of stereotypes, but we start to see ourselves differently. It is such a powerful growth experience to step into someone else's story and realize that when you go deep enough into it, actually a part of it is your own. So it's, it's not only a moving experience, but I think going into this kind of storytelling and story listening experience is is life-changing for for whether one is the teller or the listener. What kinds of stories were people telling? Were these stories about what happened to me that I committed the crime to begin with? Or are these stories about what it was like for me to be in prison? Mostly people were telling um, the stories of the moment when things turned or changed. So one of the prompts that I often use is, I used to be, but now I am, and someday I hoped to be. Um, and what I found is that we, we did spend a little bit time on I used to be, but the most powerful part of the story is now I am, and how did I get here to this now I am? What were the, what were the change point moments? Who were the people that helped me along the way? What were the obstacles, and how did I overcome them? And how am I now going to take them? what I have learned from that and continue to grow to who I hoped to be. And, and what does that look like? So it's, it's, um, it's spending much less time on the past story and more on the, the current new story that one is in and um, empowered by the vision story of where I hope to go with this. So I have worked with people who have um, a record 
and who are trying to get work. And I heard you say earlier that one of the things you hoped for in the Public Voice Project was to help people tell their story so that they could go to a job interview, say, mm-hmm. and and tell it in a way where they weren't ashamed, where they could sort of stand in, in their own shoes. And how did you help people do that? I mean, if 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 I sent someone to you today who had a record and was trying to get a job, what are the kinds of things that you would tell them that would help them tell their story, you know, in a strong way? So what I would ask them to do is, before we even go to the to the story of the crime, and, and sometimes I never get there, um, I ask them to tell me stories of moments when, so we can look at the job that they're they're looking at and thinking of, and what are, do they see as the, the skill sets that that would ask for and, and require. And ask them for stories or moments when they feel like they have um, actively shown those skill sets. What I try to do is ground people first in the the stories of where they have been strong, where they have moved in a direction that they want to move, where they feel their, um, their positive moments, their courage has come, and to ground them in those first. And that then can allow us to perhaps go back and look at the moments where there are, are difficult moments or difficult stories, but we're holding them within a much larger, more complex, more real, true story of who they are as a person. And that there, all of these are moments. And sometimes we make one moment, especially if it's a hard moment, our whole story, and it's not. It can be a piece of a larger story that is more truly reflective of us and who we are. So when they go into a, um, a job interview, what they feel is sometimes I need to just share this, um, this hard moment story and get it out, when in fact it can be a piece of a much larger story that represents better who they truly are. I see. So they can, they can represent themselves as having all these strengths, and yeah. there's this one piece. It's only ever been one piece of me. It was held in this larger context. So it sort of puts things in perspective. And when they're doing that for others, they begin to do it for themselves as well. Because so often we live in this thin story or one event that we feel defines us when it in fact is just a moment amidst a myriad of moments in our lives. Right. I mean, I remember, you know, the definition of stigma is a sense of spoiled identity that we can't free ourselves. It sticks to us like glue. And I think there's almost nothing like a like a prison term that is like that. It's sort of how do you define yourself yeah. in a different way? And, and there are real aspects of that in our culture and the stigma that goes with incarceration. But at the same time, when we begin to adhere to it as well, then we're truly stuck and limited and carrying our prison with us. So if the change can come from the inside out, one has a better chance of facing the outside stereotypes or stigma as the, as one meets them. But you've got to you've got to change your own story from the inside out first, because our culture is not as forgiving as one might hope. Right. So once someone has redefined themselves, then they're going to be much more able to ask the world to join them in that. Yes. Yeah. And if one were to then expand that to all of humanity, there is a way that we are all in our prisons of our thin stories. Uh, Because we all have trauma of some kind that we then incorporate into our our story. And for some of us, we define ourselves by that and and limit who we are, what we can do 
in this world by living in a very thin story. Now, you use the expression thin story, and a sense I'm getting from you is a thin story is one that that is too small for us, one that just defines us by a very small and maybe negative experience as opposed to sort of the thick story of all of who we are. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, a, a thick story. We can never have all of our stories readily available. We are all made up of, um, I think, millions of stories, but some become stronger and closer to um, our memory than others because they've been powerful. And some have become so powerful in our life that we actually use them to define ourselves. But when we choose to live in only a few storylines, we actually are not being fair to ourselves and who we are. And I call those storylines thin. When um, in, in comparing them to a, a food uh, metaphor, it's like living in a in a broth. When in fact our lives can be a chowder um, with with much um, richer. Um, variants of stories that represent the full breadth of who we are, what we've done, where we've been, um, that can hold us as we move forward, but also to give to others to understand really who we are beyond this one thin line. I'd like to ask you about the experience of someone's maybe first draft or first attempt to tell a story that's very rough, very raw, and maybe even off-putting to the to the listener. How do you work with people to tell the story in a way that the listener can hear it? I think the rough, raw stories need to be told first and uh, to be able to get them out and on the floor. And when the group responds then with how this story touched them, moved them, oftentimes the, the teller will get perspective that this story is raw in a way that it's hard for others to hear. And so then we begin to look at what is the impact you want to have on the listener? How do you want the listener to um, join you, hold you, be able to stay with you? And what parts of the story allow that to happen? What parts perhaps need to be honed a little or shaped a little such that the listener can stay with you in that? I always encourage my tellers to not be afraid to take their listeners into, into the forest, into the dark places, but you have to be able to let the listener feel safe walking there with you and to know how you're going to bring the listener out at the end. That to, to follow a story is actually an act of trust, and a storyteller has tremendous power in that moment over the listener, and to respect that role and that responsibility as you share your story. And I, I assume by that you don't mean, like, trust that you're going to lead to a Hollywood ending. When you say get them back out of the woods, what do you mean? What I mean is uh, letting them know that you yourself are okay in your story, that you're able to hold it and to tolerate it, that you have, um, that this is not the end of the story, it might be the middle of the story, and how you are even um, creating a vision story of where you're going next with it. And, and all of those, again, don't create the, the final Disney ending but it's enough to be able to hold somebody that they can be present with you through the difficult aspects of the story. So just to say that again, because I think that's so interesting. So you're saying a listener can be willing to go deeply into pain with a teller if they trust what I'm hearing, one of two things, either that the teller is fundamentally okay now, mm-hmm. or that even if there isn't a happy ending, that, the, that there's room for a potential happy ending because it isn't over yet. Or a happy 
year ending. Happy year. If you think of even movies you've seen where the narrator is bringing you through it, you can tolerate the tremendous um, suspense and uh, fear that's in it because you keep saying, oh, yeah, he's telling the story, he's alive. Right. Um, there's ways that, that Hollywood itself uses uh, a teller to allow the listener to tolerate the, the story and, and travel through it because you know there is a way to get out. I love that. That's that's very helpful. I mean, I think we instinctively know it. It's true because you're thinking, all right, he's still alive because he told this story. All right, all right, I, I can I can man I can keep breathing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You ask people as a, an appreciation to say, what will you do differently going forward? And I'm curious to ask you personally, Lanny, having done this work, having worked with men and women who have done time on the inside. How has it impacted you, and, and how do you go forward differently as a result? I think, um, as I said from my earlier stories, I, I have learned, um, first of all, how often I do lead with uh, projecting my own stories onto others. I think it's a very human thing, but I have been um, surprised and had so many moments of insight that I am increasingly not only humbled, but um, have learned uh, more often than not now to enter just with curiosity and openness. You know, there's um, there's a Buddhist saying that when your when your cup is full, it's it's hard to to fill it. And I think I, I often entered situations with a cup full of my um, predetermined uh, expectations, and now I just try to empty my cup as I enter a room of new storytelling participants um, without any expectations, but just excitement about who is in the room, what I'm going to hear, what I'm going to learn from them uh, as they not only share their stories but continue to evolve through their listening and telling and then bring those stories forward to, to more people to hear. It's, it's incredibly privileged work to be led into people who are doing deep story work. Uh, there was young, one young man who had been incarcerated for about um, five years, and in that process, um, his parents, who had worked so hard over the years to actually keep him on a straight and narrow and keep him out of gangs, to keep him from incarceration, when he finally landed in jail, um, they cut off contact. And when he got out of jail, he tried to reconnect, especially with his father, who refused to, um, to be in touch with him. And it was heartbreaking. He actually told that story about how... Um, how he himself had made the change on the inside and come to appreciate the love and compassion his parents had shared with him in trying to keep him from the very life that he had gotten into and how if there was anything that could make a difference, it would be if he could find forgiveness from them. When it came time afterwards to share appreciations, um, his father stood up in the audience and he did not know his parents were there. They had been off in a corner and his father shared appreciations of how his son's story had moved him and changed him and how he hadn't seen the, the changes that he now could hear and was ready to, to reopen. And the room was just fell silent as father and son hugged again for the first time in many years. Did you know the parents were going to be there? No. It was, it was publicly announced. And... Um, somehow the, the word had gotten to them that their son would be one of the tellers. Isn't that wonderful? It was an amazing moment. 
Uh, so he asks for his dream, and then right in front of everyone, it comes true. It was there. Yeah. So, Lenny, I know that you you go into homeless shelters. I know you go into hospitals. You work with Fortune 500 companies. You work with kids and elders. If someone wants to learn more about your work or contact you or invite you to work with them, how can they find you? What's your website address? They can certainly reach me through uh, my website, which is LannyPeterson.com. L-A-N-I-P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N.com. Wonderful. And if somebody wants to get your CD, can they order it there? Absolutely. Or feel free to, to email me at, at Lanny at LannyPeterson.com. They can reach me through the site or that email. Lanny, thank you so much for being my guest on Safe Space Radio. Well, thank you for your thoughtful questions. It, it, was, a, it was a real pleasure to, to share my thoughts and experience with you. This is WMPG. I've been talking to Lanny Peterson about her work with the formerly incarcerated as part of the Public Voice Project. And if you have a story about incarceration that you would like to share, please email me at dranne at safespaceradio.com. If you did not get a chance to listen to this whole show, and if you'd like to, or if you'd like to email it to a friend or someone who you know needs to hear this, please go to our website, safespaceradio.com, and you can email the link from there. You can also sign up to get the weekly announcement and link to that week's show. You can also download us from iTunes and like us on Facebook. My thanks today to Gabe Graben for producing the show, Maurice Lennon for the music, and Jim Russell for consulting. Coming up next is Speak Freely.